Good morning, Alex and friends. I'm Grace. Today is Friday, October 27th, 2023, and you're listening to Alex's News. Straight out of Riverside today, where we are expecting a lovely high of 74.7 degrees and a cooler low of 58.8. On the global stage, we'll be discussing the escalating tensions in the South China Sea between the U.S. and China, with a dangerous encounter putting aircraft at risk. In the world of automotive technology, GM Cruise puts the brakes on nationwide driverless operations, signaled by a ban from California regulators, over to Taiwan where the chip industry is making calls to the government, pressing for acceleration in renewable energy development to cope with the surging AI demand. Finally, get your financial fix with news about the global hedge funds. It seems they're being lured to India, attracted by the country's growing depth and liquidity. Stay tuned for these stories and more only on Alex's News. We begin today's news bulletin with an alarming incident over the South China Sea. A Chinese aircraft, believed to be a Shenyang J-11, narrowly missed a collision with a U.S. B-52 bomber. My colleague Ethan is with me here to shed more light on the situation. Ethan, can you describe the incident in more detail for us? Sure. Grace, we have an American B-52 bomber flying a routine mission when suddenly a Chinese fighter jet, the J-11, flies at an uncontrolled excessive speed, passing below and just within 10 feet of the American aircraft. This is a perilously close margin in aviation terms. As you mentioned, there are serious concerns that the Chinese pilot may have been unaware of the near miss. An alarming situation indeed. This incident is not occurring in isolation though, is it? There's been escalating tension between the United States and China over those waters. Exactly, Grace. The South China Sea has been a hotbed of territorial disputes. China has been assertively claiming sovereignty over most of this area, which has stoked conflicts with other nations in the region. The U.S. and its allies, meanwhile, insist that these waters are international. They've been conducting maritime maneuvers in the South China Sea to highlight that point. Despite this recent near-collision incident, the U.S. military has said it will continue to operate as per international law. That sounds like a precarious state of affairs. Are there speculations on where these high tensions might lead? There are definitely concerns, Grace. Historically, similar encounters have triggered military conflicts. The worry here is that such risky maneuvers could potentially lead to accidental collisions, which could, in turn, spark off a bigger conflict. What's more, this incident follows a series of similar close calls between U.S. and Chinese aircraft over the past two years. Has there been any response from the U.S. or China on this incident? The Pentagon has noted an increase in what it describes as coercive and risky behavior from Chinese pilots. The U.S. Department of Defense released video footage of this latest incident, as well as other past unsafe intercepts by Chinese aircraft, to throw the spotlight on this escalating issue. They're really doing this in an effort to emphasize China's aggressive behavior in the Pacific. On the other hand, China remains unresponsive to U.S. calls for military-to-military dialogue to preempt such near-misses. Do we know what measures, if any, are being proposed to de-escalate the situation? As things stand, Grace, both the U.S. and China are scheduled for diplomatic discussions. President Joe Biden will be meeting with the Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi at the White House. The exact agenda of this meeting is yet unclear, but many are hoping it involves mediating the escalating tensions in the South China Sea. 
Well, that's certainly a situation to keep a close eye on. Thank you for that comprehensive report, Ethan. We'll be back with more after the break. We're back, and up next we have a major development in the world of driverless vehicle technology, affecting General Motors' autonomous car unit, GM Cruise. To walk us through this, we have our technology correspondent, Chloe. Chloe, what's happening with GM? Well, Grace, GM Cruise has announced it will suspend all of its driverless car operations nationwide after California regulators ordered the company to remove its driverless cars from state roads. The California Department of Motor Vehicles, or the DMV, pointed out some concerns over the safety of Cruise's driverless vehicles and has accused Cruise of overstating the safety of its technology. That's quite serious. What triggered the DMV's action? The DMV's action was preceded by a series of accidents involving GM Cruise's autonomous vehicles. Pair that with the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration investigating reports of hard braking by Cruise's self-driving cars leading to collisions, and it's clear to see why they're concerned. Cruise's decision to suspend its operations across all its fleets seems to suggest that they're taking the situation seriously. Can you elaborate on what the suspension means for GM's business? Indeed, Grace. GM's driverless business, which has been operational in several cities across the U.S. including Phoenix, Houston, Austin, Dallas, and Miami, was seen as a major growth opportunity. As such, this suspension is undeniably a setback for the company. However, it's important to note that supervised autonomous vehicle operations will continue during this time. Interesting. Now, how was this news of Cruise's nationwide suspension initially uncovered? Reuters was the first to report about Cruise's decision to suspend driverless operations nationwide. It's important to note, Grace, that this decision is unrelated to any new on-road incidents. Cruise is simply acting proactively to ensure the safety and reliability of its driverless technology. Maintaining public trust and a good reputation are key here. Quite so. Any more layers to this story, Chloe? Yes, Grace. Along with the DMV's order, the California Public Utilities Commission, another state agency, has also suspended Cruise's licenses. This came after an incident on October 2nd where a cruise vehicle was involved in an accident, with a pedestrian getting dragged. The DMV's decision was informed by video footage from the incident showing the cruise vehicle continuing to move while the pedestrian was trapped underneath. That's distressing. And how has Cruise reacted to these allegations? Cruz has disputed the DMV's claims and provided the agency with the full video of the incident on October 3rd. Despite the suspensions, the company's ability to test its vehicles with safety drivers is not hampered. Nevertheless, they cannot carry passengers, even with safety drivers present. The California Public Utilities Commission is conducting its own independent investigation into Cruz and its actions. This is indeed a complex issue with many potential ramifications. Thank you for your detailed report, Chloe. My pleasure, Grace. We'll continue to follow this story as it evolves. For our third story today, we are focusing on the semiconductor industry in Taiwan and their push for the expansion of renewable energy sources. Our resident expert in this area, Ethan, is with us. Ethan, can you provide us with an overview of the current situation in Taiwan? Absolutely, Grace. Right now, the chip industry in Taiwan is urging the government to accelerate the development of renewable energy sources. This is, in part, to meet the intensifying artificial intelligence, or AI, equipment demand that requires increasing energy consumption. Despite importing most of its energy requirements, 
Taiwan has committed to achieving net zero emissions by 2050, a daunting yet necessary task. Can you tell us more about how the semiconductor industry is planning to engage in this venture? Well, the Taiwan Semiconductor Industry Association, led by its chairman Cliff Hu, has emphasized the importance of a stable energy supply for the chip industry. They've issued calls for the government to actively develop alternate energy sources and have reiterated their willingness to cooperate to achieve net zero emissions. But to do so, they must overcome the current challenges faced in meeting industry demand through renewable energy. Interesting, Ethan. This commitment towards net zero emissions, has it been reflected elsewhere in Taiwan's industry? It certainly has, Grace. We can see a clear example in the Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company Limited, or TSMC, the world's largest contract shipmaker. They have aligned their corporate strategy with the government's mission, announcing their aim to reach net zero emissions by 2050. In fact, President Tsai Ing-wen's ambition is to reduce the contribution of coal to Taiwan's power mix to 30% by 2025 and elevate renewable energy to one-fifth of the total energy mix. What about sources of renewable energy within Taiwan? Are there any notable developments or catalysts in this area? There is, indeed, Grace. Notably, Taiwan Solar Energy Corp. has stepped up its offenses in this regard. They have expanded their annual solar cell production capacity to 1 gigawatt, thanks to the installation and trial production of a new cell line with a capacity of 500 megawatts. The expansion is aimed at meeting growing demands both within Taiwan and internationally. Looking forward, what could this potential leap to renewable energy mean for Taiwan's chip industry and the global market? That's a vital question, Grace. From a business perspective, energy stability is paramount to the continued growth and success of Taiwan's chip industry. By transitioning to renewable energy, the industry could not only meet its rising demand for energy but also contribute to the country's net zero emissions goal. Moreover, developments in this area will show that Taiwan is serious about its drive towards a renewable energy-based economy which could impact its international standing in the larger fight against climate change. Thanks for walking us through these substantial developments, Ethan, and for helping us navigate the complexities of Taiwan's green transition. My pleasure, Grace. It's always good to shine a spotlight on important movements in the industry and their wider implications. Sources for the information in this story include Reuters and Taiyang News. Our fourth and final headline for this morning speaks to an exciting trend in global finance. Reuters recently reported a noticeable increase in the presence of global hedge funds in the Indian market. Leading names like Diamond Asia Capital, Citadel Securities, and even global quant funds such as Tower Research and Optiver are setting up shop in India. Now for more insights on this development, we are joined by Chloe, our financial correspondent. Chloe, can you walk us through the reasons behind the significant shift? Absolutely, Grace. What we're seeing is a multiplicity of factors attracting global hedge funds to the Indian market. Firstly, the Indian stock market has shown tremendous growth, doubling its valuation in just three years to about $3.8 trillion as of September. Moreover, foreign inflows into Indian stocks have so far exceeded $6 billion this year. That's more than half of the total net inflows into global stocks, so we're talking big numbers here. Impressive. Can you delve deeper into the specific elements drawing these hedge funds to India? Of course. One major attraction is India's emerging potential as a viable alternative to investing in China. 
The economic opportunities offered by India's rising middle class and ever-increasing consumer demand are quite enticing. Furthermore, there's a rich pool of local talent that can support these global funds operations. Lastly, India's regulatory environment is seen as stable and supportive of investor interests. Quite the attractive combination of factors. Considering these developments, what could be the potential implications for India's economy, Chloe? Well, Grace, most sectors are likely to benefit from this trend, specifically energy, defense, technology, and pharmaceuticals. We're also seeing funds with quantitative strategies, like Gao Capital, setting up the infrastructure to trade derivatives in the Indian market. They're primarily looking at the growing trading volumes here as a chance to hedge positions and advance long-short equity strategies. It seems pretty much like an all-positive situation. But as the saying goes, there's no such thing as a free lunch. So, what are the challenges that these global hedge funds could potentially face in India? That's a pertinent point, Grace. While the market is ripe with opportunities, there are few hurdles to consider. Regulatory requirements, taxation, and liquidity are still key concerns for these hedge funds. Successfully navigating these challenges would be crucial to fully tap into the potential of the Indian market. Clearly, every coin has two sides, but the turn towards India and the global finance market seems very promising indeed. Chloe, thank you for shedding light on this fascinating development. Always a pleasure, Grace. Until next time. That's all we have for now. Today's episode was made by Alexander King with GPT-4, GPT-3.5 Turbo, the 11 Labs Text-to-Speech API, and the Google Cloud Text-to-Speech API. I hope you have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow, Alex.